0: Mongrel Media and Lionsgate present American Underdog. Tell me why a team worth $800 million should put you in the driver's seat. This Christmas, if you give me a chance, I will not let you down. Life made him an underdog. All my life, I've defined myself through
1: sports. I was meant for something more. Faith. Faith. Made him a champion. God is gonna
2: do something great with
0: you. Experience the true story of legendary quarterback Kurt Warner. Destiny wants of the underdogs. You wanna prove that. Starts Christmas Day.
3: But there's still times when those feelings are gonna come up. That doesn't mean that I'm backtracking. But I have to acknowledge it to make space for that grief in my life. Instead of just ignoring it, pretending it's not there, because That grief isn't a sign that I'm moving backwards or that I'm not healed. It's just a sign of the reality that in this world, we will go through hard things, you know, and and to be able to face those with confidence and um, acknowledge those hurts, make space for them is one of the ways that we heal.
0: That's Deborah Felata, and she's our guest again on this Best of 2021 Focus on the Family presentation. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus president and author Jim Daly. Here's a banner statement. We're not free from stress and trouble in
1: this life. How about that, John? Ooh, I've noticed lately (laughs) that we're not, no. This is the world, and in the world, you will have trouble. I think that's right out of Scripture. Even when we come to a saving knowledge of Christ, the language we use as Christians, and accept him as our Savior, we're still going to face times of difficulty. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we can face them with confidence that we can overcome them and have hope in our future. As we read in 2 Timothy 1-7, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and Mm self-control. And, uh, you know, that's a hard thing to remain in balance in those things. And today we're going to talk with our guest about how to do that. Uh, She's got a great book, Are You Really Okay?, which I would say hits that scripture directly. About power, love, and self control. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a good program. We started yesterday. And, and if you it, missed it, yeah, yeah, get a
0: hold of us. Uh, let us know how we can get that to you on a CD, or you can download it, or you can get the app, you can watch on YouTube. So many different ways. Uh, it was a great conversation, as you said, Jim. And uh, I guess I should say our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. Or you can go back and hear that first part at FocusOnTheFamily.ca.
1: Deborah, welcome back to Focus on the Family.
3: Thank you. It's good to be with you as always.
1: Yeah, it's so good. And I love the content you bring as a counselor. Your husband's a physician. I mean, you guys, you're a power couple. (laughs) (laughs) And you have four kids. 10, 8, 5, and 3 months old, right? Yes,
3: we do. It's a full house. Okay,
1: just on behalf of all the moms that are struggling to keep it all going, how do you just do that with everything you've got going?
3: This is why I wrote the book, Are You Really Okay? <laughs> it's for we, yourself. We really have to ask that question in these types of seasons, you know?
1: You know, let me start there for the moms that are trying to do it all. Really, seriously, how do you remain healthy, and I mean in every way, emotionally, physically, spiritually, how do you remain healthy with all of the things that pull on you as a mom, your kids, maybe your profession outside the home, the home, your husband? I mean, how do you juggle all that and remain healthy?
3: Well, the truth is you don't, and you don't do everything. And, you, and it, it might look from the outside in like somebody's doing everything and doing it all well. I get that question a lot. How do you do it all? And my response is, I don't do it all. I can't do it all, but I've learned to do a few things well. I've learned to set boundaries around my life. I've learned to take care of myself so that I can be filled and pour out to my family. I think in the beginning as a mom, I used to feel guilty about taking the time to keep myself healthy. But now I see it as a necessity Mm -hmm. because if I'm not full, I'm no use to anyone around me.
1: No, it's really good. And that acknowledgement that, hey, I'm not doing everything well, and I'm okay with that. That's a healthy spot. Let's do the recap from yesterday. We talked about uh, emotional well-being and spiritual well-being. How would you recap that discussion?
3: Yeah, you know, Jesus calls us to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our heart represents our emotional health, Soul represents our spiritual health, mind represents our mental health, and strength represents our physical health. So yesterday we talked about our emotional health and our spiritual health and really taking inventory of those two areas.
1: Mental health issues affect everyone from time to time. Uh, We may not even be aware of it, actually, but how it's dampening down our feelings, Mm -hmm. our sense of joy. I mean, God says, you know, we should be people that are joyful. But sometimes things detract from that. How does the way we think connect with the way we feel?
3: Hmm. Scientists used to believe that feelings caused our thoughts. But the most recent research shows us that thoughts actually trigger feelings, which trigger behaviors. Mm. So if we're feeling off or doing things that aren't the things we want to be doing, we've got to really backtrack and take a look at our thoughts. What's on replay, like I call it? I have four little kids, so when I get in the car, oftentimes (laughs) there's some child CD playing, you know, some nursery songs or what have you.
1: Let me guess, wheel on the bus goes round and round. Yeah, something like that. It's definitely not
3: the focus on the family program because, you know, my kids are listening to all of their little kids' songs. I remember once I went on a trip in my car without the kids... And after an hour I realized I could change the channel. Yeah. <laughs> I can go listen to folks on the family yeah. or a an podcast. Adult moment. Yeah. this is but you're so used to what's on replay yeah. in the background, it just becomes the norm. Our thoughts are the same way. We get so accustomed to certain thought processes on replay that we don't even feel the need to change them.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. How does God interact with that in our lives? I mean, what is he saying to us in that regard?
3: Well, God wants us to replace the patterns of our past with his truth, right? And many times the patterns of our past... Is how we think, those negative thoughts. In counseling, we call them cognitive distortions. Mm. They're faulty ways of thinking. Maybe something like black or white thinking, where you see things in extreme. Maybe something like catastrophizing, where you're always looking at the future and seeing the worst-case scenario. We've got these default patterns of thinking. Maybe it's a self-critique, where we're always thinking negative things about ourselves or the people around us. God wants us to identify these thought patterns and begin replacing them with His. Is truth.
0: Yeah, that's where I've uh, come to have a phrase of truth before trivia. Yeah. I still like to look at and gather a lot of information, but as a believer, I'm trying to let God's Word, the Scripture, be my reference point for the day and where I spend a lot of time. I'm, it's not like it's, you know, for every minute I read an, an article online, I'm reading the Scripture, but I want His truth to be the thing that's transforming my mind, not the world making my thinking uh, off base.
3: I love that. And it's essentially the question of what am I downloading? You know, what am I downloading each and every day? And are they things I'm downloading from my past? Are they things I'm downloading from what I'm looking on the internet, scrolling, Google? Or am I filling my mind and heart with God's truth?
1: Hmm. Well, you mentioned the book several things that uh, you need to understand in getting your mind straight with truth, right? So Uh, You use the terminology black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking, overgeneralization, minimization, and magnification, mind reading, fortune telling. And this one I could really relate to is catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. Because I think the culture, we we are living in that right now where everything is a catastrophe. I mean, you talk with family members, and if it's not COVID related, something is, you know, it's fear. Yeah. Speak to some of those or maybe the one or two that really capture you. You had emotional reasoning, should, could, would statements, labeling, personalization. There's a lot there, and it's all in your great book, and people need to get it for the complete mm-hmm. uh, definition. But what what are one or two of those that I mentioned that stand out to you?
3: You know, something like should, could, would – you spend so much time thinking about what you should have done in the past, blaming yourself. Um, like you mentioned, catastrophizing. We're always thinking of the worst case scenarios filled with worry and fear. The way that we think begins to change our brain, physically speaking. It begins to change the pathways, which then begin affecting our emotional health, our mental health. And so there's so much power because how you think impacts your life. When you change your thoughts, you begin to change your life. And that's why something that people are so passive about, what's on replay, they don't even think twice about it. We've got to work to take inventory of our thoughts. The Bible says, take every thought captive. In counseling, we call that cognitive behavioral therapy, you know? But God thought of it long ago, transforming Mm -hmm. our mind and making sure that what's flowing out of our mind is bringing us health and not the other way around.
1: So when you're dealing with that person sitting in front of you in your counseling office, what are two or three things you can encourage them to do? What are steps they can take to begin to not be overwhelmed by the world and to transform their mind according to Christ?
3: First and foremost, I think you've got to face your thoughts Sometimes they're so automatic you don't even recognize them. Mm. So, one thing that I have people do, and in fact, this book is actually interactive, it's not meant to just be read you journal through it, you know, you you journal as you're going through. And one thing I have people do, especially during this section, is begin keeping track of their negative thoughts, to put them on paper, to start seeing patterns in the way they think that they might not have recognized before. And then when we do that, we have the one side, but then we begin to replace it with God's truth. What does God ultimately say about these things? What am I ultimately believing? Am I believing this side of the spectrum, the dark side, or am I clinging to the light of god's truth
1: and in the book you do uh go to great lengths to talk about areas where we need help mental uh illness being one and the way the culture and particularly the christian culture can shame people that are struggling in that area i just want to make sure we're really clear on that we've done some programs on that before and we get a lot of response from folks who feel very strongly on both sides of this issue As a counselor with that person, again, sitting right there in front of you, how do you encourage them to seek the help they need and still maintain a a healthy understanding of God's love for you, his concern for you? But yes, you can get some help if you don't have enough serotonin on your nerve endings.
3: I mean, it can be that simple. You're absolutely right. I recently on my blog wrote an open letter to the depressed Christian. And I explained to them, which I also cover in this book, that this is not a reflection of your faith. This is not a reflection of your strength. This is not a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. You know, this is a struggle that you're walking through. And many times, this is the catalyst to your faith. I look at the times of depression, the darkest seasons for me, when Jesus was truly the closest, I felt him near Mm -hmm. to my heart. And I'm grateful he walked me through that process of healing with therapy and medication because you know what? Even therapists can benefit from therapy and counseling. I don't just preach this because I'm a counselor. I preach it and teach it because it actually impacted my own life during those hard seasons.
1: Now that is so good. And I hope people are hearing that heart that you have and that we share, you know, Mm -hmm. focus on the family. Sometimes in the Christian community, you know, we get criticism for talking about the idea that uh, people can get help through counseling, they can get help through medication, etc. Break down some of those myths. Just hit them, bang, bang, bang. What would you say?
3: I think many times what we try to do is offer spiritual solutions.
1: What does that sound like to in mental, that conversation? And problems. Yeah, you
3: know things like you need to pray more, or here's a Bible verse. Dwell on scripture. When you're in the thick of depression or anxiety or a panic attack. And your brain is not working properly. Your amygdala, the part of your brain that's responsible for emotional memory, is going wild. Your neocortex, the part of your brain that's responsible for logic, is dulled down. You can't think about scripture in that moment because that part of your brain isn't actually working properly. And so for us, we have to realize that sometimes those blanket statements actually cause more hurt than help. Of course we need Jesus and the Spirit and His guidance. We need prayer. We need to meditate on Scripture at the proper times. But I think just putting those spiritual solutions on these mental and emotional issues can actually cause damage, can leave people feeling shame and defeat rather than being encouraged that they can find hope and healing.
0: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Hi, my name is Jean-Paul Baran, president of Focus on the Family Canada. Hurting families regularly turn to us looking for help with the challenges they and their kids or grandkids are facing. Through the support of friends like you, we can help these families deal with issues like anxiety, depression, family conflict, and more. Will you donate today? Your donation will equip families to face these and other issues that they need help with. To donate, visit focusonthefamily.ca. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland.
2: Sometimes Christians work up to giving 10% of their income to God and stop there even as God continues to bless them. Compared to most people in the world, we are rich. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul said, Command those who are rich in this present world to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. God wants us to be generous. How generous should we be? Jesus said, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even much more will be asked. Most of us have been entrusted with much, and therefore God wants us to be very generous, yes, well beyond the tithe. Remember, we will be accountable. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give account of himself to God. In summary, give generously to God's work and don't be constrained by the tithe. To learn more, check out BibleFinance.org.
0: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
1: Deborah, you touched on this a while ago, but I I do want to come back to it because it is such a tender spot and it's something that a lot of women and their husbands experience, and that's miscarriage. Take us through that, both as a wife, a mom, but then also as a counselor and what you yourself went through and how that can benefit others.
3: Yeah. I went through a traumatic miscarriage that didn't actually impact me until a few years later. Mm. Um, I think sometimes we think that the impact is going to happen right away and we're not prepared for when the trauma comes back a little bit later.
1: Did Did you feel disconnected at that point? I mean, you're in it, you, you had this miscarriage and you know the language. Right. You're a counselor. Were you questioning how come I'm not feeling this more deeply or, or are you just trying to survive and get through it and hug John? And
3: you I know? think that's what it is. I think as a mom, when you go through something traumatic like a miscarriage, and for me it was even an emergency surgery where I almost lost my life, you come home and life doesn't stop. You've got the kids. At the time, we had three kids. Right. You've got the ministry, you've got work, you've got your husband, you are in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you don't have the time or the energy to stop and really process that loss. Mm. Of course, you feel the loss on a superficial level. You cry, you talk about it. But I think we're surprised sometimes when trauma comes back later. Sometimes we feel like we're backtracking. You know, maybe I didn't really heal, but I want people to realize that God has made it that way. We heal in layers, mm-hmm. one layer at a time. And just because whatever trauma you've been through might be coming back in this season doesn't mean really you mean you haven't healed, but it might mean that God wants to heal the next layer and the next layer and the next layer.
1: It's really insightful, and I think it actually indicates something for all of us as human beings created as we are that we might expect that to happen not in layers, but in like one stage. We go from wound to healed. And the fact, the way you describe that as being in layers, I don't know what, um, if it's in, we're just not patient enough, we don't understand the mechanisms that God is giving us for healing. but. All of that's kind of wrapped up in there, right? I, I could just feel a person shaking his fist at God because that healing has not occurred, and they want to get there, and they're just frustrated.
3: Right. We want to see immediate results, you know? Right. That's the reality. And Nobody wants to linger in the process of healing, but that's exactly when the process of healing is most effective. Think about losing weight. When you do that diet and lose 10 pounds in a week, that 10 pounds is going to come right back and then some. But when you take your time to heal, when you're deliberate and intentional about really getting into those wounds and dealing with them little by little, that's when healing is more long-lasting and permanent. That's when it becomes a part of your life.
1: In that respect, how do we measure that so that we know we're not standing still? Mm -hmm. We may not be there yet, but we're making progress. How do we measure that?
3: I think – being deliberate about setting goals. Um, we talked earlier how easy it is to go get a physical checkup, but how rare it is to stop and take an emotional, spiritual, mental inventory. So the question I would be asking is, what is God healing in your life today? That's where we need to stop and ask ourselves. <laughs> That's a good if the question. answer is, I don't know, not much. You actually worry me the most Mm. because you feel like there's no need for healing. You feel like you've arrived. There's nothing that you identify in your life, whether it be emotional, spiritual, mental, physical. For us to constantly be growing in the process of sanctification, we've got to be doing these check-ins on a regular basis.
1: I would think that another way to make that statement is that in this life, we should all be striving for something better.
3: Right. There's what, always there's yeah, always the next level place to grow. that God is longing yeah. to take us.
1: In that regard, let me ask this: the um, and this is something personally for me that's been a bit of a struggle, because I do generally tend to feel I'm in a good place, and I, I want to represent that feeling. So I'll I'll be honest about it. For me, I think Gene might say, "Well, because of your trauma as a child, maybe you're just looking at the shiny side of everything, and you're not dealing with." You know, the pain of what happened. And I, I understand that. And I think I have, but speak to me and the people like me who have kind of said, Okay, I think I've gotten through it. I think I've forgiven people that have wounded me. I think I've you know, come to grips with what I had to go through as an orphan kid. But those that know us best might be saying emotionally, you may not be as connected. Yeah. <laughs> You're protecting. And God gives us that mechanism. It's a protection mechanism. So you you don't go as deep emotionally. You do become an inch deep and a mile wide because you don't want to be hurt. Speak to those people that may be not in tune with what their real soul hurt is.
3: Yeah, that's a good one, and I appreciate you for being so vulnerable. You know, I'm the type of counselor that tends to be a little more candid and so I'll tell people right off the bat, you're not as healthy as you think you are, you know, because the Lord is longing to take us to a better place and I think when it comes to our past wounds, of course we we eventually get to a place of peace. Um, you know, it's not like a a journey for the rest of time dealing with those past wounds, but we can't be surprised when they come up at different times. It's kind of like grief. Um, When you look at your past childhood wounds, sort of like grief, something that was lost. Mm. Grief comes in waves. There may be seasons where it doesn't impact you, but then there's other seasons where it comes through. And that's what you have to be aware of. What seasons might my past experience be coming through and how does that impact me in the present how does it impact my relationships in the present the people closest to you are probably going to give you the most insight because what's happening in the present your problem spots in the present your conflict patterns in the present tend to be a signal of the things that you might still need some healing from in the past
1: keep reaching keep working keep working yeah keep i listening like gene
3: yeah well that's for sure
1: <laughs> Um, you know, I, I'm reminded of a family. I won't mention their name, but they had catastrophic uh, situation where their son and daughter-in-law got married. They took off from the reception in a helicopter and it crashed into mm-hmm. a mountain. So they'd only been married 4 or 5 hours. And I remember standing with him, you know, months after the event and we were out by his barbecue and he I just said, "How are you doing?" And he said, "Well, What else can you do? You just get up and you keep moving forward, trusting that God is who he is and all these things are taken care of. I can't imagine the pain of that kind of loss. He said, it was the best day of my life and the worst day of Mm. my life. And it gives me tears now talking about it. But as a counselor speaking to those kinds of situations, it's kind of the reality, isn't it? It is not it You get up and you got to keep going even with incredible devastation.
3: And I think it's important for us in those situations to realize that dealing with these type of deep hurts doesn't have a timeline. You know, we say that time heals all wounds. Well, it doesn't. It really doesn't. In fact, some wounds when left to themselves will only get infected with time. Hmm. They will get worse with time. And so for us being intentional to really face some of that pain And realize that there's no time limit, you know? Even for me, I feel like I've dealt with my trauma, my miscarriage in a healthy way. But there's still times when those feelings are going to come up. That doesn't mean that I'm backtracking, but I have to acknowledge it to make space for that grief in my life instead of just ignoring it, pretending it's not there. Because that grief isn't a sign that I'm moving backwards or that I'm not healed. It's just a sign of the reality that in this world we will go through hard things, you know, and and to be able to face those with confidence and um, acknowledge those hurts, make space for them is one of the ways that we heal.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing thing. I think God's formula for this life: uh, we are going to suffer,
3: and we're going to need Him, we're and gonna we're going to rely gonna on Him. Food. That's Every the whole purpose step of the way. Yeah. We're never going to walk. Without a limp. Um, one of my favorite sermons is uh, John Corson actually preached it. And he said, you know, in one scenario, Jacob, who wrestled with God and ended up with a limp for the rest of his life, which reminded him of his need for Jesus every step of the way, his need for the Lord. In the other scenario, a man at the pool of Bethesda was healed. Yippee, I'm healed. And people said, who healed you? And he said, I don't know. And sometimes when we're fully healed, we lose that connection with the Lord. We forget that I need him. Sometimes the limp that we carry in life, those hardships, those struggles, remind us of our deep need for the Lord.
0: Well, what a great place to end our conversation with Deborah Fileta. This has been a best of 2021, Focused on the Family, and she has done a terrific job relating God's desire for us to be whole and healthy. She really has, and I hope you'll intentionally pursue some of these
1: aspects that Deborah's been talking about. You know, here at Focus on the Family, we know life can be a strain or a struggle. We are here for you. We have a team of caring Christian counselors who want to help. You can give us a call or go online to set up an initial consultation. We also have lots of other resources to help you. In fact, Deborah's book, Are You Really Okay? Getting Real About Who You Are, How You're Doing, and Why It Matters is a great place to start. You can get that directly from Focus on the Family. And when you do, the proceeds go right back into ministry, giving other
0: families hope every day. And we hear from so many who need answers to some of life's most difficult questions. Uh, We do count it a privilege to be able to help. And Jim, let me just quickly share a word that we received from Judy. She writes, I started listening to this radio broadcast in 1983 when I was a young mom, and I've been listening ever since. I wouldn't know how to raise my children without focus. And then she went on to say, I appreciate... How Focus speaks into and understands the cultural changes and issues that are going on. Well,
1: you know, we've been through a tough couple of years culturally, and we want to continue to lead the charge for the family. But we need your help, especially here as we're heading toward Christmas and the end of the year. God can use your support to provide scripture-based resources and programs to save and strengthen families. One way you can do that is with a generous end-of-year gift. You can also order a copy of Deborah Felita's book, Are You Really Okay?, directly through Focus on the Family Canada. Those proceeds go right back into ministry, strengthening marriages and offering hope to families. Your support is critical so that we can finish the year strong and plan to reach even more families in the coming year. And I'm eager to see how God's going to work through you and Focus for Canada in 2022.
0: Donate today and get your copy of the book, Are You Really Okay?, uh, we've got all the details at focusonthefamily.ca or call our offices 800 the letter a and the word family we'll plan to join us next time as we feature another best of 2021 focus on the family dr meg meeker will help you as a parent to navigate a toxic culture with your daughter
3: developing a strong, deep relationship with a father with a daughter or a mother with a daughter, that's what's going to change that daughter and root her so that when she hits her 20s, she has her wits about her, she has a faith, and she knows who she is.
0: On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.